What's going on, everybody? This is JVB, and you're listening to a new episode of the Post Game Report podcast. So the New York Giants defeated the Washington Commanders in their home field on primetime television. That's something that I haven't said in quite some time because I've always feared the New York Giants playing either Sunday or Monday night. And so last week when I recorded this podcast, I didn't predict the New York Giants to win simply because of primetime television and the fact that the Commanders simply have a more talented roster than the New York Giants. And I still believe in that. But the thing is, when you look at what Ron Rivera was doing in some of the decisions he was making during the game, and then you saw what Joe Dable, I mean, Brian Dable was doing. I don't know why I call him Joe. You can almost say that the New York Giants outcoached the commanders which is uh, pretty weird to say, considering the coaching staff on the Commanders is pretty damn good as well. There's a lot of really good coaches who have coached in big games. Now, it came down to the very last play, which, as a Giants fan, you (laughs) you wouldn't expect anything less. The New York Giants haven't been able to just outright win a game this season. It's been really tough for the New York Giants to grind out a win. And so there was the last, what, two minutes of this particular game was not a surprise to me. Now, what was a surprise was that they didn't call Donnie Holmes for a penalty. I am accustomed to seeing the New York Giants get screwed out of a a victory. <laughs> you just look at the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving when they called Darnay Holmes for pass interference that didn't exist. There, it was a phantom call, and that really took away the momentum from the New York Giants. They were winning that game against the Cowboys. So I, I totally expected to see a flag flying out 10 seconds after the play was over, when all the New York Giants were celebrating, and then you see this flag. Nope, it didn't happen. So that was quite a surprise. Now, at full regular speed, it didn't look like a pass interference unless you went into replay and you slowed it down. So to the defense of the referees, that was pretty much a bang-bang play. Now, here's the thing. And I've always stated this because I used to play football and not in the NFL, obviously. But the first thing that they teach you when you play any kind of sport is that you never stop until the whistle is blown. So obviously there's a whistle in the NBA, there's a whistle in the NFL, not necessarily NBA, NFL, but in basketball, football. There's no whistle in baseball. <laughs> There's three outs. But the, the, the point is you never stop playing until the play is completely over with. And big kudos to the rookie, Kayvon Thibodeau, because he made a touchdown-saving tackle versus Tyler Heineke, who was tackled at about the 
one and a half yard line. Thibodeau came out of nowhere. It looked like Heineke was about to run, run the ball in for a touchdown with less than a minute left. And Thibodeau comes out of nowhere and makes a big tackle. And the reason why I bring up this play is because you never know what is going to lead to a turn of, an, of events. You never know, period. So how many times have you seen a player, and I'm going to use Leon Lett from the Dallas Cowboys, and excuse me, I gotta, I'm at the hospital, my wife's having surgery, I'm waiting. Uh, what you hear is my jacket making a lot of noise. People are texting me on my watch. So anyway, so you look at, if you remember Leon Led, Dallas Cowboys, big, powerful player, super talented. He had raw skills, but he made some questionable plays back in the day. And one of the plays that he did make, he scooped up a fumble and he's rumbling down. And, and this was during a Super Bowl game against the Bills. He starts celebrating way ahead of time. And I believe it was BB, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, chases him down and simply pokes the ball off his hands and recovers the fumble back. <laughs> and this was at like the three-yard line. Let was about to score. But the fact is, BB never gave up and prevented a touchdown. Now, it's a little different because the Cowboys still won that game. But here is a play by Thibodeau where maybe a rookie, specifically Thibodeau, who had an amazing game and was shown on the sidelines huffing and puffing because the kid was all over the field. And at the very end, he was in the end zone approaching uh, before he saw Heineke. So he could have easily phoned it in and jogged towards Heineke and figured, okay, Heineke is going to score. But no, that's not what great players do. That is not what you are taught from day one to do. You are taught, keep going. The whistle's not blown. The end zone is your territory, and you have to fight tooth and nail to, to, to ensure that your opponent doesn't cross that goal line. And so Thibodeau makes the play. On the very next play, the commanders run the ball. Now it's questionable whether Robinson got in. It was very close. But considering the way the commanders were running the ball during the game, during the, during the entirety of the game, it seemed like the commanders were going to run it in regardless. But then there's a penalty. There's an off, uh, not an offside, but uh, a formation penalty. The commanders go back, and they can't make the final play. They can't make the touchdown play. At the end of the game, you know, Holmes, was he on the receiver? Yes. But it was. it happened so fast, and it really would have been one of those plays where the referee would have been nitpicking and taking away the game from the players. Now, technically, that was a pass interference. So 
you couldn't fault the referee for calling it had they called it. But as a New York Giants fan, even this season, the New York Giants were robbed by some bad calls. And even some non-calls. For example, Thibodeau was poked in the eye on the very same play. Now, speaking of Kayvon Thibodeau, the kid immediately made an impact in this game from the first quarter. As a matter of fact, the, the entire first half was all about Kayvon Thibodeau. He scored a touchdown. He had a sack. He caused the fumble on that sack, on that sack, excuse me, got up immediately, located the ball, ran it in for a touchdown. It was an amazing play. And I keep telling people that Thibodeau has looked really explosive ever since taking off that knee brace. A lot of people forget that Thibodeau missed a lot of training camp. Well, not training camp. He missed a lot of of the preseason. So he missed preseason. He missed the first two games of the season. He played against the Cowboys on a limited amount of snaps. And you have to consider that he's a rookie and it takes him, it's going to take a rookie, any rookie, about five to six games to just get accustomed to the speed of the game. So it's no accident that all of a sudden, within the last, I'd say, four games, we've seen a different player in Kayvon Thibodeau. And what I mean by that, it doesn't look like he's out there thinking anymore, which is something that really hinders rookies, even players in their second season. A lot of players are thinking rather than reacting. Thibodeau is reacting, and you see that explosiveness. You see the tools. You see the the intensity. And the great thing that I'm really happy about, especially for Kayvon Thibodeau, is the fact that he has proven time and time again throughout the season that he's not one of those players that stands around when the play is not near him. We have seen Kayvon Thibodeau chasing down ball carriers, chasing down wide receivers, making hustle plays, going on the sideline, standing on the knee. Uh, It looks like he's about to faint because the kid is leaving it all out there. And it's crazy how during the draft process, these stories about Kayvon Thibodeau not hustling, and people questioning whether he really wants to be a football player in the NFL. Those questions are now being answered immediately. And Kayvon is doing it himself. He is shutting these ridiculous questions down. And you know what? I thank all those GMs and scouts or whoever was making up these these stories. I thank them because, because of that. Kayvon was able to drop down to the New York Giants at number five. (laughs) And so finally, we have a player on defense that is a superstar. This kid had a superstar performance, and he did it at the right time on primetime television. As a matter of fact, he did it during Thanksgiving where he was dominating the Cowboys. So Kayvon is not all of a sudden having one of these games that, you know, players have every once in a while and then they disappear. No, Kayvon's been consistent with his pressure. 
with his dominance of offensive tackles. And he has been a disruptive player. The problem with, especially when it comes to the sack numbers, because that's what a lot of people look for. Like, for example, I'm going to talk about the other pass rushers that were coming out. Obviously, you have uh, Walker, Hutchinson, Johnson, from you know, who was drafted by the Jets, and Karloftis. All of those guys, with the exception of Hutchinson, were, were slated at one point to fall to the New York Giants. The thing about those players is that you have to th- consider, number one, they've all been healthy when Kayvon was out. A lot of people, especially New York Jets fans, they, they've gone on social media and said, oh, Johnson is better than Thibodeau. Well, Johnson, I believe, currently has two and a half sacks. Kayvon has three. And Kayvon has made impactful plays, whereas Johnson, he is surrounded by a really talented defense. So that kid, Johnson, is going to be a player himself. He's going to be a player. So you look at Hutchinson, who has, I believe, seven sacks. He probably leads all the rookies in sacks. I think Karloftis has less sacks than uh, Thibodeau. Uh, Walker, I believe, maybe might have four sacks, and he was the number one pick in the entire NFL. So the reason why I bring up those other guys is that People love to compare the stats. Of course, if you pick a pass rusher, you expect them to rush the passer and get some sacks. The The problem is that the New York Giants have a bad linebacking unit. So when you have poor linebacker play, especially in the passing game, the, quarter, the opposing quarterback can get rid of the ball very quickly. And then as it, as it stands, the New York Giants have fourth and fifth stringers starting in the secondary. So that is not going to help. So Thibodeau, who has gotten pressure and has gotten extremely close, he has the misfortune that behind him, there are players who can't cover. So quarterbacks are able to get rid of the ball a lot quicker you have Dexter Lawrence in the, in the middle, who is applying pressure as well. So offensive coordinators are going to have to design a, a, a quick passing game. But now you see that when there is, when quarterbacks need to pass the ball, and, and look, the Giants haven't had many leads. And I've stated earlier that the New York Giants have had to come back and win close games. So it's not like, for example, Hayden Hutchinson, who is on the Detroit Lions, and despite the record of the Detroit Lions, they can score. They can score points. So when your offense can score points, obviously the opposing offense needs to score more points than you in order to win the game. So you can have a team like the Detroit Lions putting up you know, 30 points. The opposing team needs to score more than 30 points, and they go, they're going to have to do it eventually with the pass. So Hayden Hutchinson, or Aiden Hutchinson, 
has had, and I'm pretty sure I don't have any official stats with me, he has had more opportunities to rush the passer than Thibodeau because the Giants aren't that good against the run and they haven't had many leads. <laughs> so that's pretty tough to do as a pass rusher. When you don't have a lead and you can't just put, put your ears back and rush the passer without worrying about a run, that's difficult for any pass rusher. And the fact that Thibodeau's getting there quickly and the quarterbacks are still getting rid of the ball and completing them, not just getting rid of the ball, but they are making completions five, six yards easily. So that hinders his opportunity to get a lot of sacks. But it doesn't negate the fact that his pressures are causing are causing bad plays for the offense, for the opposing offense. So sometimes, not all the time, but a pressure can be nearly as good as a sack because it can lead to a bad play. It could lead to an interception. It could lead to a fumble. It could lead to an incompletion on third down, which is what you would like. But Thibodeau is amazing. The kid is amazing. He is big. He has that explosive first step. And then I stated this when he was in Oregon, that he had this second gear when he got close to quarter, to quarterbacks. You don't see that very often. And that was on full display during the last four, four games for the New York Giants. So I'm very happy with the progress he has made. And as a New York Giants fan, I'm very happy that we have an impactful first-round talent. We haven't had a player. The, the last two players that we've had that have been drafted by the New York Giants that have made immediate impacts as rookies, obviously, Saquon Barkley, and then Odell Beckham. They became the faces of the New York Giants because of their rookie seasons. Thibodeau. He may not be the face right now, but he is definitely one of the names you bring up first when you talk about the New York Giants. And you just hope, like with every player, that they remain healthy their entire career and they progress from you know what you would see, especially when, when a rookie is showing promising results. But as far as the game itself and the rest of the team... The New York Giants on offense, they didn't set the world on fire. Daniel Jones was playing efficiently. He was making, you know, they had a 97-yard touchdown drive, not just a 97-yard drive. They had a 97-touchdown drive. And Daniel Jones was responsible for converting a lot of those first downs. So... The biggest one, obviously, was the fourth and nine, and he hits a he throws a, a bullet to James, and surprisingly so, James held on to the ball. And to his credit, he's had issues with fumbling punts, but James has, you know, stepped up on on big situations, and he's made some pretty key plays. So it's safe to say that. Richie James has redeemed himself from from some bad play as a punt returner. So the other kid, Hodges, 
he's showing that he's pretty consistent and is becoming a trusted source for Daniel Jones on the field. Uh, Bellinger had a few catches. Some of the tight ends had a few catches, some key first downs. The offensive line didn't give up any sacks. Evan Neal had a, had a rough start. He has a few false start penalties and then was giving up a little bit of pressure, but he seemed to settle down towards the second half. And everybody, everyone's been talking about Bredesen at, at left guard. And it's crazy because the Giants traded for Bredesen. He got injured. And didn't really play in, in his first year as a New York Giant. Now, people forget that this kid is only on his third season. And he was, a, I believe, a second-round pick for the Ravens. So he has some talent coming out of Michigan. He was known as a, as a mauler. And it showed during the final quarter when the New York Giants needed to run out some clock. And Barkley was just... A madman in this specific drive. I mean, he had what seemed like four runs in a row of 10 or more yards. Doing spins, running tough, not going down easily. And that permeates, you know, especially when you when you think of what Thibodeau did in the first, in the second quarter. He runs it in for a touchdown. He causes, you know, he gets a sack, causes the fumble, picks it up, goes in. That obviously affects the entire team. It pumps them up. So seeing Saquon Barkley in the final, what, five minutes of of the game against the Commanders, running hard, being pumped up, being psyched up, that obviously encourages the offensive line. That obviously pumps them up as well. Because the Commanders knew that the Giants were going to run. And Barkley was running 10 yards a pop. He couldn't do it the entire game, but here's here here's Saquon running like a madman when it counted. On defense, Ojolari, once again, he wasn't as impactful as Thibodeau, but he was causing some pressure. Uh Dexter Lawrence was applying big pressure. He was hitting Heineke hard, man. I mean, he was laying the wood on him. Leonard Williams was pretty quiet, but at towards the end of the game, he was applying some pressure and even recovered a key fumble that uh, actually prevented a touchdown drive. It was it was inside the red zone. So Dexter Lawrence causes a fumble. Leonard Williams picks it up. They blow the whistle to them early. Who knows what would have happened? Maybe they return it for more yards, give the Giants an easier opportunity to run out the clock but nonetheless it was very encouraging to see the front four of the New York Giants wreck havoc on their own but yeah it was a, it was a great victory I wasn't really nervous because once again I didn't expect the New York Giants to win I really didn't when you look at the receiving core for the commanders the running game you look at the the front four for the commanders they have talented linebackers now in the secondary they were missing a key player so that that's probably probably why Daniel Jones was passing more than expected and of course 
with that front seven is tough to run against the commanders. So despite all the all the flack that people give Daniel Jones, not once was I nervous when he was stepping back and passing the ball. That I have been, I'm not going to lie. But but now I don't feel nervous when he goes back to pass, which is a great sign. He's earned that. Once again, I've been a Giants fan since the 80s. And I've seen the Derrick Browns. I've seen the Kent Grahams. <laughs> you know, I've seen some pretty average quarterbacks come and go. And I was nervous every time they went back to pass. Daniel Jones, he made me nervous at one point. But now I'm starting to feel comfortable with him back there. So... Am I saying I want Daniel Jones back? He still has to prove that this season, obviously he's not going to light up the stat sheet. But I want to see that trust continue to grow as a fan. And I want to see how he commands the pocket. He does handle the pressure of New York City very well. And his teammates genuinely seem to love him. So we'll see. I know a lot of people don't want to. I know a lot of people don't want Daniel Jones back, but we'll see. Imagine him with some, with, with a number one, a legit number one receiver that can get open at will. That would be nice. <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people were talking about Odell coming to the New York Giants, and now there's talk of him possibly going to Dallas again. All that talk is coming back again. So, yeah, I got, I got to remind people how, how quickly they jumped the gun on Odell Beckham. I would love him to be a New York Giant. But once again, he's not going to be an impact at all in 2022 for any team, especially the New York Giants. <laughs> they, still got a, they still got a lot of proof. So as far as Bredesen, I would love to see him remain at, at left guard. Hopefully he can stay healthy. If he stays healthy, the New York Giants could use the option to move Gates at center or keep Feliciano there. But the fact is, now you have Gates as some depth, you know, as added depth for that offensive line. And you have what seems to be a left guard that Andrew Thomas is comfortable with, which is another thing that people don't consider. There's been a rotation of left guards, and Andrew Thomas has to compensate for those guys. So it was a great victory. I know there's a lot of controversy what happened what happened at the end with the pen, with the penalty on McLaurin, and then whether there should have been a penalty on Holmes at the very end. You know what? The New York Giants have been in that position too damn much at key spots, especially this season. So no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel like oh the Giants didn't earn this win, or the Giants were given a win. No, the Giants earned this win. They did it very in a very physical manner, and they're gonna need to do that in order to beat the Minnesota Vikings, who have an explosive offense. They have a freaking Pro Bowl running back. They have one of the best wide receivers in the entire league. They have a way above average tight end in Hawkinson. They have they seem to have a decent offensive line. Kirk Cousins 
he's the type of quarterback that's not going to scramble all over the place and, and prevent sacks from happening. People seem to think that Kirk Cousins is the weak point of this offense for Minnesota. And that that is the reason why the New York Giants are going to win. It would be nice if it's that easy, but as we've seen, even against a quarterback like Tyler Haneke, it's never that easy. (laughs) So I'm not going to discount Kirk Cousins and say, oh, he's the weakness and he's going to be the, the reason why the New York Giants beat the Minnesota Vikings. No, he could be the reason why the Minnesota Vikings beat the New York Giants. It's just that simple. The New York Giants still got the same linebackers. They still have the same secondary. And they have a freaking Pro Bowl running back in Cooks. And then Justin Jefferson. I mean, that guy is, you know, if either one or two when it comes to wide receivers. So it's not going to be an easy game for the New York Giants on offense or defense. Now, offensively, against the Minnesota Vikings offense, I mean defense, excuse me. Some are saying that the New York Giants will be able to score some points. Once again, based on the history of this this past season, well, this current season, and all of the games that the New York Giants have played, saying that the New York Giants can score on a team, that's a little immature. <laughs> The New York Giants don't make it easy. So it could be one or two things that could happen against the Minnesota Vikings. It could be a shootout where the New York Giants are going to have to pass the ball because they've fall back, they fall behind pretty early. Or it could be a low down grind out football game like we saw against the Commanders, a close game, and listen, the Vikings came back, had the biggest comeback in NFL history, so they have shown that they can come back in games as well. So (laughs) saying that the New York Giants are gritty and accustomed to winning close games, well, Minnesota came back from 33 down, which is amazing when you think about it. That could be a reason why Minnesota doesn't come out with, with I guess, a lot of fire because they wasted so much energy on that particular game, on that comeback. That could be a reason why they have a letdown performance and that benefits the New York Giants. Because, let's face it, The Giants need to win one more game in order to feel comfortable about their playoff opportunity. They could lose against the Colts, who is a bad team. But if they could beat the Minnesota Vikings, then their chances are somewhat uh, set in stone that they would make the playoffs. I don't want to jinx it and say that we are. Uh, Yeah, I say we because I'm a New York Giants fan, but I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say that the New York Giants are going to win one out of these three games. They have the Vikings, the Colts, and then the Eagles again. It it could be a situation where the New York Giants 
face an Eagles team that is playing their backups. But the new, but the Philadelphia Eagles are stacked. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're playing. You're talking about a New York Giants team that is playing backups as their starters. So take that for what you will. But that's jumping way ahead. The new, the Giants are currently eight five and one. There's a possibility that this New York Giants team can win 10 games this season, and that would be amazing. Right now, them at eight games, and isolated, isolated them as winning only seven games this entire season. This season has already been great. It has already been way beyond what I figured the New York Giants were capable of doing. So it's been a great season for me as a fan. But now, hey, the defense is waking up. The front four is waking up. Let's see if they, they let's see if this becomes one of those magical years where the defense just happens to wake up and shut people down and the offense does enough to win games. Sounds very familiar. Sounds like 2007 and 2011. Am I putting this current New York Giants team in a, in a, in a, and comparing them to, to, to an impossible, uh, standard to me. Yeah, obviously. But once again, I'm a fan, so I'm supposed to act that way. But basically, whatever happens, happens. Cause it all boils down to what I was talking about with Thibodeau earlier. And you play until the whistle blows. And if you play that way, you never know what the results are going to be. It could favor you. Look at what happened with Thibodeau and Heineke. It it looked like the commanders were going to score regardless of the down. Because they were only a few yards away from scoring a touchdown. And they were running at will against the New York Giants. So on paper, you would think, all right, commanders are going to score. And guess what? They might even score the two-point conversion and tie it because they have been moving the ball whenever they wanted to. But because of one player going all out and refusing to let the opposing player cross his goal line, the results totally changed in a, in a manner that no one predicted. No one predicted that McLaurin would be offsides and no one predicted that on fourth down, Heineke would miss a bigger and more physical player than that Donnie Holmes was, was guarding. Because despite being all over, you know, despite being on his shoulders, and I can't remember, I don't know, it was, uh, I forgot the, the wide receiver's name for the, for the commanders, but he's, he's a bigger player. He still got his hands on it. So, I guess that's why the refs didn't call it because he did get his hands on the ball and he couldn't uh, make the catch. But yeah, you just never know. You keep playing to the whistle. You never know what the results are going to be when the game is set, is over with because you never, you never gave up. You never gave up. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up because now my, as I stated, I'm in, I'm, sitting in my car, my wife's having surgery. So I'm a little occupied mentally. 
you guys know I have a, a brain injury, so it's I got all these cars looking at me because I'm sitting in my car. They think I'm I'm gonna leave, and I'm trying to concentrate while I'm talking and creating this podcast. But anyway, great win by the New York Giants. It's a great time to be a New York Giants fan. So I'm JVB. I'll talk to you guys later. You guys take care. Bye.